And welcome into the Empire Dynasty League podcast on Wednesday, the 6th of July. Joined as ever by Christopher Keane. How are you? Uh, very good, thank you. I was going to say happy 4th of July, as it is an American style pod, but I guess it is the 6th of July, so that's okay. That's <laughs> true. It's very observant of you. Um, Thanks. Welcome in, Hod. I would, um, yeah, I was going to cross the Hod. He's there, isn't he? This is absolute crickets at the moment. Oh, it's never a good sign. No. Is he still in? Is he still in Tasmania? Must have. Uh, must have got stuck over in Tassie. By the sounds of it, we are not joined on the podcast no. by old Brody Hoddick. So. He's a busy man. He's a hard man to track down. Um, considering he makes up one third of this podcast, we can't even we can't even get a hold of him. So good luck, anyone else. Hopefully, he'll be on again soon. Um, but you know what? If you if you have an issue with Hod not being on, we uh, we've got a Twitter and Instagram account which we never plug at EDL Pod. Uh, so jump on and raise your concerns. As a concerned listener, they're apparently. We've had 2,000 plus listens, so it's probably the same people, but you know what? Get involved. Get active on the socials. Indeed. Please uh, do reach out on Twitter and Instagram if you can. And Ben, I was just thinking, we actually have a guest on tonight that will more than cover for Hod's absence. I have no doubt about that. So looking forward to uh, the, the preview this week coming soon. That's true. And it is a bit of a mystery for all the listeners because we didn't uh, put it out as public knowledge. We just sort of privately hit this person up. So uh, read into that little nugget as far as you want there. And I'm sure some people are already figuring it out. But let's uh, quickly run through some news. Every newsman in this city is laughing at us. And I don't like it. We're pretty light on news uh, going into this week. Probably the most notable bit of news here is uh, there's a bit of a report coming out about J.K. Dobbins, uh, who did his ACL last off season, didn't play, um, didn't play a snap in the regular season, and yeah, the report coming out is that he will not take part in the preseason. So pretty big news for someone who, you know, typically in a redraft league will um, will. I've just noticed, actually, my Zoom meeting says 40 minutes. Why is that? Hopefully this shit doesn't drop out soon. Anyway, I uh, there you go. Just losing my uh, track of thinking on air live. <laughs> no, um, J.K. Dobbins. So, big big name in the off-season. People expecting a big year out of him. But not taking part in a pre-season is worrying signs, wouldn't you say, Kenny? Uh, definitely. And I, to be honest, I didn't really know a whole lot about this story until you brought it to my attention this evening. And looking at bit deeper into it it looks like the Baltimore Ravens are hopeful that he'll be returning by week one of the regular season so that doesn't sound great that they've ruled him out of sort of preseason action and hopeful that he can get there week one so I w- you wouldn't say he's locked in um, to start the season so he's obviously an important player and a pretty high pedigree fantasy asset as you sort of touched on there I think he's on Camo's team and Camo will be looking to get a fair bit out of J.K. Dobbins this year, so one to monitor for sure. He would. He's been on Camo's team about three times now, I think, off the top of my head. So he's uh, he's, he's probably got a point to prove for the San Diego Demons. And not much going on in terms of their backfield. They've got 
Gus Edwards coming off a knee injury, and you just told me that Mike Davis is over there. So it's a uh, plethora of talent outside of J.K. Dobbins. That's pretty much it for no. our news uh, around the NFL. But league news, Keeney, why don't you quickly fill people in on, on what one of our changes is going to be this year? Yeah, there's a bit of league news. And um, look, at, at the Empire Dynasty League, we, we're not huge fans of releasing polls and getting league-wide opinions. If we want to make a change, we just... Just make the change. It's good leadership um, and we've decided to do this. We've had it, look, I will clarify, we've had a few people reach out and have a few suggestions. So thanks namely to the Punisher himself, also to Scoot, who's uh, always sliding into my DMs to offer some advice. But what we've done and what we've decided to do this year is we're going to have some divisional games at the start of the season. So weeks one to three will be divisional games and then we're going to close out the season weeks 12 to 14 also divisional games. So we're going to split those six games up, um, three at the start, three at the end. That way we think it's a little fairer in terms of um, teams likely not having injuries at the back end of the year and and to spread out those games and to give us something to look forward to at the start, not that we wouldn't already be excited by the season starting, but uh, yeah, there you go. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll announce week one shortly. Nothing's in the book yet, but um there you go, a bit of league news to kick the pot off. I like it. A bit of balance there in terms of how the schedule will go. Well, we won't leave this any further. We teased it out. We have, uh, we've got some team reviews to get through and mainly one team review to get through now. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? It's not too bad. I mean, it should be okay. I'm not too worried about it, really. Oh, my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. got to keep our composure. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried at all. Stay f- so as we pick apart your teams week by week, that uh, grab is surely the sentiment of how people are going to feel. But I normally lead in a team with a song. So let's see. Uh, we haven't told anyone the team that's on. So let's see if we can pick it from the song for this upcoming team. You raise me up so I can stand on By the look on the face of the person who's on, they're even a bit confused as to what that song means. We are joined by the one and only sensible haircut manager, Steve Mann. How are you? I'm very good, but as you said, very confused. Can you explain to me the song reference? Well, we thought last time that you were on the pod, you you shared some intimate uh, knowledge of how oh, you play too. fantasy and and, uh, and that was your mother who who raised you with some solid and sage fantasy <laughs> advice. So we felt that Josh Groban sung a song about his mother raising him up and we thought that it fit <laughs> with your fantasy prowess. Oh, very good. I didn't I didn't didn't get the connection, but that just does bring a tear to the eye now you, <laughs> you mentioned that. So I appreciate that. I might listen to that on the on the rest of my drive this evening. Well, I like that you mentioned it. This is uh, to fill everyone in on how serious this bloke is. We've asked to get him on the pod. He said, I'm driving. We've just had footy training. Uh, That's right. So Manny and I still decide to play footy for some reason. But uh, we've finished the footy training and I've come home to record a podcast and he's in the car driving to Rye as we speak. So not only did I offer that, you know, we could just dial in as you're driving. He's that committed that he's pulled over on the side of the road so he can really focus in on, on his responses to our questions. So where have you pulled over at the moment, mate? 
Well, I literally sat here for 20 minutes because I wanted to pull over in a place with some fantasy relevance for me. So I'm pulled over in Sky, as in Sky Mall. <laughs> and I'm sitting here with my doors locked because it's obviously not the safest part of the world, particularly when you drive a very, very expensive 06 Holden. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if you see me just suddenly, you know, jamming the accelerator on and speed off and I go on mute, it's, it's me fleeing for my life. Good to know. <laughs> Well, hopefully it's uh, not an omen for how your fantasy season is going to go this year. But, uh, Katie, why don't you kick us off with uh, a bit of a recap on some of the stats for Manny's team yeah, in 21? Uh, we will. And I think we'll have a uh, a bit of a conversation on how your team is put together at the minute, Manny, which is always uh, good to talk to you about that sort of thing. But last year we looked at your team and thought you're at an interesting phase. Um, I think people can... Cons- Sometimes forget you, you're four and two to start the season um, and then really only miss playoffs by about 85 points in the end. So you're, you're knocking on the door after a few trades that went down. You ended up six and eight. Very similar stats, actually. I don't know. I'm sure you would have tuned in last week to uh, the great Jim City Stallion, but very, very similar to uh, Jim's record last year in terms of being a little bit unlucky, having a pretty tough strength of schedule. Um and being right in the mix for playoffs. So um, that's sort of where you ended up. Um, We're looking at breaking it down a little bit further. And the last five weeks of your year, actually, Manny, you had the toughest run home out of anyone in terms of points against. Um, So the most points against out of anyone the last five weeks. So we were sitting here thinking, wow, you could have done a bit of damage if you actually got into the playoffs. And um, Funnily enough, you did actually top score in week one of the playoffs. I think you scored 169 or something like that. Um, so all that is to say that you've got a team that can compete and a team can team that can be dangerous on its day. How are you feeling about where it sits currently? It's interesting actually to hear that because I think the thing that everyone forgets is I was four and two and then I traded out my best quarterback. And then five weeks to go, as you said, I traded out my other quarterback. So I basically re- finished the season with none. Um, probably it's, it's – I look at it a little bit of a different way to the way you just explained it. You guys sort of use the stats to say I was close. I would have been closer, probably would have made playoffs if I'd had a full crack at it, but I didn't think my team could win. So I thought pretty early. I was lucky to be 4-2. I didn't think I had the right depth hadn't pulled the trigger on the positions I don't really have lined up yet, such as running back. And so I thought, no, I'm going to flip this and go the opposite way, Um, which obviously is probably not a popular direction to go within our league. But I kind of, I didn't tank the season because there's no point in trying to lose games when your draft position, if you miss the playoffs, gets determined on total points for. Um, But I basically just tried to set myself up for the future, which is why I, I kind of traded out a lot of stuff in the year and obviously as you guys have discussed at length on the pod, got my seven first round draft picks in and plus some future ones to go. So the stats are not, not to say they're irrelevant, but I think it probably just where I ended up wasn't super important because I was obviously trying to do something very different to making the playoffs and having a shot at winning last year. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's good, good insight for the listeners, I think. But also I just want to touch back on uh, the point where you said you're four and two, and traded away Burrow, I presume that's who you're talking about there, Joey Burrow. Yeah. Um, I think it was four so and two, you, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that you're probably fortunate to be four and two at that point. Um, surely, though, at four and two, there must have been a bit of you that went, you know, I'm probably leading our division. What, what, what made you blow it up 
at four and two. Not that you blew it up, but what made you go down that path at four and two? I just didn't. Like, the four and two was probably not the. Like, it, it, maybe that's a, a factor to go stick it out, but you just you know when you look at your team, what you ha- what I had to do at that point to catch up to probably at that point I think it was Ben's team that was just miles better than everybody else's, and I think Keeney was starting to make a move. I just looked at those two teams and I was like, what I'm going to have to give up. I basically don't have because I don't have enough depth because as we've talked about before, I, I went pretty quickly with, I think there's a bit of a loophole here in this max points for thing. So I'm going to go really thin on my bench and I'm going to have no depth until I'm ready to try and challenge because I feel like if I'm going to miss the playoffs, I want to basically try and be competing for pick one or pick two. Um, and so with, with no depth, with, some like obviously my quarterbacks were strong, my tight ends were strong, my wide receivers were strong, but I had no running backs. And what I was going to have to give up to get them, there wasn't a lot of future picks. Now I just I just didn't think my team was that close. And if it became an arms race, I didn't have enough assets without really compromising my future. So I said, no, I'm going to go the other way. I've got plenty that's valuable now. I'll flip that and I'll I'll try and you guys are all gearing up for this year next year. I reckon two years from now there's going to be a gap. I'm going to go for then. Yeah, I like it. I, you know, you said before that it's probably against popular opinion, but I think you you probably hit the nail on the head of that sort of way of thinking of not being caught in the middle, and that's what it sounds like you were avoiding. Is that as much as you had a four and two record, I think it was, you're probably looking at when push comes to shove, are you really going to be able to compete at the pointy end? Um, so you made the call early and got in and got all those draft picks because I think it is important to identify that early and get in first because. Once you own that monopoly on the draft, harder for other teams to then try and uh, sell off assets too. One question I've got yeah. is... And, and, and oh, sorry, sorry, just go. on that, they all do it late as well. Yeah. Guys guys wait till they're one and five and then try and start cashing in for draft picks. So I was like, and well, you I'll lose your leverage at that point. And if I've got them all, then I can either just you know absolutely fleece people or I just go, no, nah, I'm going to hold them. So yeah, I think you're right. There's, there's definitely an advantage to making the call definitively first. Absolutely. And much like, I mean, teams going for the win, getting in first means you actually get the players. And if you sit on your hands for too long and think, I'll wait till playoffs is around the corner, there might not be enough players out there to actually get into your team. But I want to know, um, you went with Burrow as your first big trade out. Did you, was that much thinking involved there to get the quarterback out when we've spoken about how it is a um, position scarcity spot versus maybe taking a Tyreek Hill or, or one of your big-name wide receivers out to get some first-round picks in? Uh, I didn't think I was getting what I got for anyone but a quarterback. But no, I, I think, I mean, and I look up, I, I, in my first part of my drive tonight, I listened to the pod from a couple of episodes ago again to listen to your analysis of my post-draft team. And I think, and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to be really honest about this because I'm kind of having this conversation with basically everyone in trade discussions anyway. So, I'll say it on here. I, I'm openly not going for last year, not going for this year. Now, I've probably got enough assets that I could, if I really wanted to or something fell in my lap or you know, the right trade came along, I could probably flip it and try and go this year, but it's not my intention to do it at all. Um, and given I'm kind of working on a three-year time horizon, I was like, I can fix quarterback over three years. In fact... What I can do with no quarterbacks is something that no one else can do. I can basically tank my max score to a point where no one's going to be, like I'll be the lowest of everybody because I can just literally not play two positions. Um, and and that's where, as, as funny, I was listening to the bit where you were kind of going, why would he take Kenneth Walker at three? 
Um, he hates running backs. Thing is, though, I can put him on his taxi squad and have no running back score for two years. I can have no quarterback score for two years if I want to, and I can literally, I can just tank my team for two years and then load up on draft picks. And I've made sure I've kept all my draft picks, and I can pick quarterbacks up then. And and so I, you know, and obviously I've got enough assets I could trade if I have to as well. But I've literally just gone, you know, I can change gears, but that's it's it's a long term time horizon, which I know feels a bit weird because the other teams tanking are the ones that have literally got old guys. But again, I just thought, no, oh, I'm gonna. You know, this is going to be my random tactic and I'll live or die by it. Yeah, and um, I suppose we can go through sort of position by position with your team, but I'm not sure we really need to. I think I think um, what's interesting is that discussion around sort of that you've got a two or three-year window to um, regain QB and um, fix or address that area of your team. The question is, though, like for mine, I don't think there's many teams, and maybe there's more teams that are starting to evolve into not so much tanking, but realizing that their future is probably in two or three years' time. The question is, where are those QBs coming from? Is it coming from the draft, or do you think there's going to be enough teams that drop away that have good QB assets that you can go after? I intend to draft them, but I mean, you know, I there's little bits of other stuff you can do along the way as well. But I, I feel like if over the next two drafts I pick up another four QBs and they don't have to all be top picks, as we know, you just need QBs and a couple of them will sort of work their way through into opportunity, I'll find my two out of it or I'll find my one and I'll trade in another one by giving up a few other assets to get it and put in a like lower level QB. I just don't. I'm not convinced that the position scarcity is going to be that intense at that position because 32 of them start every week someone is going to go, I've got four on my roster and I'll take two good wide receivers for a QB. Like you can you can overpay if you need to. And that's where I figured you guys, some, I, I think, can't remember who said it, but one of you hit the nail on the head that I've obviously, given I've got a long-term view, the smartest asset for me to stack up on is wide receiver because it's got the longest value. So I just figured, well, I'll, I'll carry 10 of them. And if I have to at some point trade two of them or, you know, chuck in a pick or whatever, I can do it because it's not, it's not going to cannibalize my team. Um, but so long way of saying the draft, but obviously, you know, it doesn't preclude me of doing it another way as well. So Manny, I just want to touch on one more thing before we, um, maybe dive into a few other questions. So you mentioned, <laughs> and I like it, Ben, I reckon he's a man with a plan. Like Ooh, it sounds unintended. to me like he, I like it. Well, yeah. And he's, he's talking through what he wants to do. He's, he's playing the game of, I'm not interested. I wasn't interested in last year which is playing the results a little bit. Not interested in this year. Um, which is on, interest- I did, to be fair, I did trade out my best player at four and two. So there's a little bit of evidence there that suggests yeah, that I'm not... No, there is. No, that's, that's fair. Um, but then there's also a little bit of evidence to, for me to ask you, then why, if you're happy getting a zero at QB, zero at RB, yada, 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 taxi squad, love it. Why yep. did you get Davis Mills for Garrett Wilson? I'm glad you asked that question, Kenny, because I think this is the bit that I I listened to the discussion and I think you guys put it very diplomatically, but my take is everyone thinks that was the worst trade ever from my perspective. Um, let me let me just I think there's one element in this that everyone's missed. I what I see is I've basically taken a as you talk about quarterbacks really hard to get. I've taken a second-year quarterback, so who's effectively a rookie quarterback in the sense that a lot of guys just sit on the bench for a year. Second-year quarterback who's going to start for his team. So it's kind of, you know, I could have, like you could draft a guy at pick three and, you know, not that much different. Um, and critically, 
I've taken my second round pick back, which if I don't do anything with this and turn my season into a good one, is very, very possibly pick 13. So I've effectively given up. Yeah, you can argue about where Garrett Wilson was taken. Was he a pick eight? Was he a pick five? Where, where should he have gone? But I've basically gone, if if Mills was, Mills is theoretically not that different from a quarterback that you just randomly take in, in round one, like a Kenny Pickett or something and hope it works out. But I've also got what is borderline of first round pick back with it. Um, and yeah, I've given up, you know, a, a high profile wide receiver. But as we've talked about, I've got so many of them. If he's the one I can get the best value at because people think he's the best one, I'm, I'm comfortable taking that risk because they're all unproven at this point. So I, I'll, I'll wear it if everyone thinks it's a loss of a trade. But for me, it kind of gives me the ability to pivot either way because if I still go ahead with the full tank mode, then, you know, great. I've basically got back pick 13 and I've given up pick eight and I've got a quarterback. And if I decide to go, no, I'm going to, you know, I can get in a quarterback that's decent and I've got one more, I can just do an upgrade trade with Mills. And it's basically given my platform to launch. So I just feel like it's given me heaps of options. So it might look weird from from the outside, but very, very happy with it from my end. I, I To be honest, I thought I was getting a better deal than I perhaps should have um, from my perspective, given what I was getting out of it. I like the way you go about it. I like the insight there because you just mentioned it there, the upgrade possible trade. And I think it is a much more palatable trade when you can throw a starting QB in to upgrade that position versus not having any QBs to throw in. And I think when push comes to shove, it is a position that's hard to trade for. Um, So you kind of mentioned that your next couple of years, you don't see yourself competing. So why not have some dart throws at that position? And if some hit that Davis Mills is the type of player at that position that you should be going for because he's got opportunity. It's his essentially to win or lose. So why not just take a, a dart throw and hope that it lands? And like you said, if it doesn't, well, you got pick 13 as a result, getting yours back because you control the destiny of that one. Absolutely. And if I, if I do the right, if I make the right moves with my taxi squad this year, and then like, it's nothing saying I'm not going to trade Jefferson out and nothing saying I'm not going to trade out Tyreek Hill. Um, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, I think most of us know I'm having very active discussions on a lot of those guys with people I can just have a team that is so bad what goes on the field that there's no way I don't get pick 13. And so if you said to someone pre-draft, you can trade eight back to 13 and get a quarterback, you just take that every day of the week. And so that's that's what potentially is the trade that I'll, you know, I'll ultimately get out of it. So obviously everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I'm pretty happy with it. And I feel like it doesn't run contrary to my strategy, to your point, Kenny, even though it is going to cost me a few points that I'm going to have to take on board because he'll obviously score. Yeah, but I think probably from your point of view, you're thinking that, yeah, it might cost me a few points, but also the opportunity sort of around week eight to 10, if all things go well for Davis Mills, then he actually becomes, you know, maybe in a, a better player than what we think, or he's having a solid year and one of the contenders loses QB. It's a pretty yeah, perfect exactly. selling point for a, for a contender. So um, oh, totally. as, you, as you sort of touched on, you've got options there by having that type of bridge QB. Probably it's not likely going to be one that you rely on for the next five years, but you never know. So um, yeah, that that I can see that point of view. Was it was it always Garrett Wilson? Talk us through sort of what Camo wanted out of that deal. Yeah, he wanted Wilson. Um, I, I can't even, to be honest, I had a lot of discussions with a lot of people at about the same time, but... I think he really wanted Wilson. I was pretty happy with any young quarterback. I don't, because I, I kind of am thinking of Mills like as if he was a draft pick. I'm not 
I'm not looking at him and going, I want exactly what he is. It's like an upside thing, as Bernie said before. Um, he wanted Wilson. Like, yeah, it, was, it wasn't. Uh, it, it's not that I think Wilson's better or worse than any of the other guys I drafted, to be perfectly honest. I'm just kind of looking more as an asset that is a first-round wide receiver pick at this point. And um, if that was the thing that he was most interested in and I could get – the key was it, that he had my second-round pick. The deal does not get done if I don't get my second-round pick back in it because, to me, that was almost the most important thing, obviously, Mills, but that was that was absolutely critical. So he just kind of had the right thing, and I was pretty happy to part with, with any of them, to be honest. Nice. All right. Kenny's pointing at me, so I guess I better uh, continue the conversation there. You can see that we rehearsed this before you jumped on, Manny. Um, let's move to running backs here, and we'll, we'll just quickly touch on it because I think, you know, when you look at the breakdown of your team, um, we went through it with Jim's team last week and just spoke about age of position. Oh, Jim. Um, yep. <laughs> actually, we, By the way, is yeah. there, is there, there's no chance he doesn't get sacked by his own franchise <laughs> in the next couple of years. I listened back what? to it today, and the question I think Hod posed to him was because um, he compared himself to St Kilda. If he doesn't perform, will he get the sack? And he said, "I don't know. Can I?" <laughs> that, that I think speaks <laughs> volumes of where he's at. He's, he I doesn't even know he's, he's the nicest the guy in the world, but he's just like he's, he's. It's a team run entirely by him. He's got complete control over it, and he's not certain in his job security. That just that says a lot. <laughs> Manny, um, if you had one, if you could do one thing to Jim's team, what would it be? Honestly, it's. Where do you think he's at? Honestly, Where do you think he's at? It, it's the carcass. The fish is rotting from the head. I'd sack myself. <laughs> I'd step down. If I could make one move, I would step down, and or I'd bring in a co-commissioner, and I'd I'd be a puppet, because I just. I think I hate to say it about young Jimmer, but he's the problem. He's his his decision making, his 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 views, his probably his religious beliefs or spirituality is hurting it in some way. It just just everything about him is just destroying that franchise from the inside, and you just hate to say it. It's just it's a sad thing. And it is, and I thought you were the biggest hater of draft picks, but clearly. I don't know what you think, but Jim, like Jim, literally would trade a second for a fourth tomorrow. <laughs> he doesn't like him, does he? But- I must admit, I, 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 I can admit that I can kind of read the room, and I reckon I was wrong on draft picks, and I've just, I've clearly swung. And it wasn't that I don't think I'd still take a proven player, but it's just that if the league values them, then they've got value, and so. I, I just saw year one the way that everyone looked at draft picks, and I was like, well. I've misread this. I'll just, I'm not going to sit around and, you know, bury myself, bury my head in the sand and go, no, I'm right. I'm just going to say, no, I've got it wrong. I'll switch. The other interesting thing with Jim's take on draft picks is that we even highlighted it. He got an absolute steal with St. Brown in the second round. So, like, he proved mm. that he can pluck yeah. solid players from later picks, yet he's still not <laughs> sold on the later picks. Though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think, I don't know. I, I, the, the thing is, I'm I'm clearly losing out here because I'm not like there's some vultures that are just hovering above Jim at all times and scavenging his team, and, and I'm I'm not name names. Oh, Keeney, 
yep. would be the first name yep. that would come to anyone's anyone's mind. But but I think the thing is like as as Jim's interview showed, and I realize we're not here to talk about Jim's team the whole time, but as Jim's interview showed, like he's not just doing this stuff randomly. I think there's an element of he likes to agree to people and say yes to trades because everyone feels happy. But I think like he's got some rationales, but I feel like it's just he keeps splitting tens on the blackjack table and slowly each time his hands get worse and worse and worse. And that's kind of what he's just sort of slowly eroding his assets by splitting them in half and splitting them in half and splitting them in half. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a sad state of affairs down at the Stallions. Wow, well, hey. The Stables, I guess, wherever he lives. You are, you're not even in his division, but they are some fighting words that you've gone and, and fired out there. So I hope, Jim, if you're listening, this fires you up, mate, and we can start another rivalry because... Uh, there's some fierce rivalries in this league. One that pops into mind is Jake and Papa. That still brings me a lot of joy listening to those two go back and forth. So this could be another one. Um, we did this <coughs> last week with Jim, and that was guess the uh, guess the average age of your team and where it stacks up against the league. So go back to season one. Let's go back to our inaugural season. Um, yeah. one, one being the youngest, 12 being the oldest. Where do you think you were? Um, I would have been about 10, I reckon, maybe 11, because I, I drafted a couple of like dying quarterbacks. I dropped fifth, Rillet Rivers and stuff, so I would have dragged my age up, and I didn't go for youth. You so did, 10, 11. You did have Rivers, who was a 40. Um, no, so you were eight, so you weren't as bad as what you said. Okay, yeah. So you were sitting sort of yeah. at an average age of 28 because you still had some young wide receivers which I think lowered it yeah. quite a bit. Oh, uh, yeah. Then you moved into last yeah. season. Where do you reckon you would have gone? Do you reckon you've gone up or down in terms of age? Uh, I reckon I actually probably got older in, in the in the ranking. But you're doing it off my whole list? Yeah, entire list. Yeah, so I reckon I'd be like 9 or 10, but that's because I've got guys like um, Devonta Freeman and that sitting on my list I used to plug holes. They're not actually, you know, they're, they're a relevant part of my roster. So if you looked at my actual, the core of my team that I care about, it would be much younger, but I, re- I still reckon I'd be old, yep. I guess. Now, bang on, you were ninth there, 27, yeah. so you got a little bit younger. Um, and then brings us to this season now, where do you think you stack up in the league? Um, <laughs> I can't remember who I've dropped yet. I've tried not to drop many people because what's the point of having empty roster spots? But my sleeper app isn't working at the moment, so I, I try to look at my roster. If I've not dropped those guys, I think I'm still holding Marlon Mack I'm holding Devonta Freeman as far as I can remember. I reckon I'm probably... No, you're not. Uh, oh, you've got, Marlon, you got Marlon Mack. You don't have Devonta Freeman. All right. Then I'm going to say I'm probably five. Ooh, six. But you've dropped uh, an average age of two years on your list. So mm, I think bringing bad. in a lot of uh, first-round picks like you did will definitely do that. And dropping people like Ben Roethlisberger helps quite a bit with the average yeah. age of your list there. Um but we, I had a youngish guy that died, unfortunately, as well. Mm. So I don't know if you... Um, that is an unfortunate know, like, out. I don't know what that does to the ages, but, you know, something. I was going to mention that. The first league member to have a death on their squad. How did you, um, how did you mourn the sad well, passing of Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, it's, it's obviously absolute tragedy at a human level, absolute tragedy from a Pittsburgh level and, and probably... Similar level tragedy, tragedy from a sensible haircuts level. I'd um, put a lot of faith in Dwayne, and many others didn't, as he's 
career started to wobble out of Washington, but I stuck firm with him. I really believed in the young man, and I think just as he was starting to turn it around from a fantasy perspective, cut down his prime. Very, very sad. Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because I like that the I like the fact he said he was he was turning he was turning it around from a, a fantasy point of view. What evidence suggested he was turning it around? He hadn't played for fucking a year and a half. You don't know. He wasn't. He would, have, he would have beat Kenny Pickett out as the starting quarterback for Pittsburgh. He had bigger hands. Um, that's just true. as Geno Smith will beat out Drew Locke. I'm gonna the problem the only issue I'm gonna have to drop these guys or I'm gonna have to mm. point score. Yeah, it's the biggest problem in my team this year. Yeah, yeah I, I maybe I, I know. Um, I know Papa's looking for looking to s- supplement Mariota with some similar type players. I might be able to send a couple his way. Does he have Mariota? I haven't heard him. I haven't heard him spruik about the fact that he has Mariota <laughs> on his list. Yeah, he's keeping that one. Keeping that one quiet. So speaking of average age of your list here, so. Clearly, you've gone with the strategy from the get-go of just getting aged running backs and not investing heavily in them. <laughs> um, like a fine red wine that we enjoyed on on draft night, that was sort of your philosophy with running backs for a long time. But you did go and get Kenneth Walker, and you just alluded to earlier that um, quite easily can plug him in on the taxi squad. So over the next couple of years, do you see yourself still getting some of these stalwarts in just to round out your list, or do you start to see yourself taking more dart throws to see blokes that can get, I guess, their um, fantasy relevance aligned to when you're ready to make your um, run at the season? Yeah, I, I think that, by the way, I feel like I've done a great job of actually getting scoring running backs. I know they're not high scores, but like Frank Gore, I got him off the... Like, there's nothing on our waivers, as we all know. Our, our teams are so deep. Frank Gore, Devonta Freeman... Pulled these guys just straight off the uh, the waivers, which I feel like uh, somehow to get a scoring running back when you can barely get one in a redraft league is is um, probably lucky there. But I kind of think that, and you guys would be much more knowledgeable, being the data analytics nerds that you are on this sort of stuff. But I feel like a running back, you get all the value out of them in something like years one to three or one to four on average, and so I feel like. When I'm ready, I'll just pull the trigger on running backs then. And because they're such short time, you can, short term, you can just get them off guys that realize their season's done. And so, like Keeney's Dalvin Cook trade, like, yeah, just you know, like it's just that's absurd. So I just feel like that's the absolute last thing I'll do. I just won't waste any time. Kenneth Walker was just a classic. And you, you guys in the review podcast said, oh, why do you pick him at three when he doesn't like running backs? But that was literally a numbers game of, I've got all these picks afterwards, but I don't have pick four. If I don't take him at three and someone else takes him, I can't get the one running back that's left. Whereas I'm going to get five wide receivers, whatever I do. I'm just, which one I miss out on is probably not that big a deal. So only reason I took him there was that. Um, But yeah, yeah. No, I just like, I don't know, two years on a taxi squad or I can trade him or I can play him if, if my team feels half decent at some point feels all right. Um, the thing is, if unfortunately for me, I've tried to go really light, and I think I've gone into the drafts, even though I've just missed playoffs both years, I've gone into the drafts with like pick three and pick four in the lottery picks because I've been able to kind of undercut my total score, boost myself up a bit. Fortunately, the DFF exists because <laughs> you can't get anywhere near pick one over the first two years. So I think I've got to start doing a better job of, you know, what what, what he's done with his... Uh, Jalen Waddle style stuff, just keeping 
points completely off the board, the old 0.00 sort of manoeuvre. So I actually think I won't. I think this year I'll literally try and go in with, with nothing on a few weeks in a few positions just to really get that max points down. I was actually going to ask that, uh, Manny. Are you, are you concerned that Miles Sanders and Marlon Mack, you know, that might be a better one-two punch than you had all year last year? Are you actually concerned oh, that you're just going to finish eighth again and pick five and away you go? No, nah, because I think, like, I, the, the thing is, I'm still going to try and win games. Like, tanking isn't about losing. I don't, I, I, this is the, I feel like this is a bit of a misconception. You guys made a very, very good move when you said we're going to determine lottery picks based on max points as opposed to win-loss. Because the whole fun of fantasy is like you watch a bunch of players play and you hope they score and you hope you win a game. To literally go into a game hoping to lose is stupid. And so every week I'll put, of the guys I've got available, I'm going to put the best team on the field and I'm going to hopefully try and win games. And that's why you know I finish my seasons at 8-6, 6-8, whatever I've done over the two years. But I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'll just kind of, I'll make the, it's like I'll be the GM and I'll make the good roster decisions that I think you're going to set me up best for the future. But then on game day, I'll be the coach and I'll try and win, um, which kind of gives me the enjoyment out of it as well. So Marlon, Mack and Sanders, they're fine. If I feel like I actually start to get close to the wire, I'll probably trade trade some guys out and, and you know, fix it that way. But, um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Marlon Mack's kind of lucked into a decent position, but he's injury prone. And Sanders, you know, who knows how he'll go? Could go one way or the other. We'll see. Ben, uh, speaking with the great man, it feels to me like he's got a bit of a fear of actually competing. It feels like, you know <laughs> what? Good. I'm going to push it down. No, no, I'm going to push it down two years. I don't want to have a go this year. I don't want to have a go next year. There's too many strong teams. But the reality is, in three years' time, there's going to be strong teams too. So uh, yeah. when are you no, actually going right. to go and? Go and say, you know what? I'm actually going to have a crack this year instead of, nah, you know, I'll go six and eight. I'll go eight and six. I'll have some fun. I'll keep playing <laughs> crappy running backs. I'll go all in I'll when get... I'm ready. But when are you going to be ready, mate? No, you're no, no I, I, I laugh because it's spot on. I, I um, having one of my, my weekly DMs with mum the other day, actually. And I, <laughs> I, I, I posed this question about myself. I said, like, are you fearing, are you fearing really putting yourself out there? You know, like, are you going to, not go to the school formal because you're, you're saying you're too cool, but it's really because you're scared to ask them. That's the kind of, that's the kind of you know introspective chats that mum and I have. And um, I, I, I've asked myself this question, and, and I think that I think the key is there's only so long you can kick the can down the road. And I've I've been I made a call very early in year two, and I've set my window, and my window is either staying where it is or coming forward. Or I think your your question has got a lot of validity. If I do it again, I reckon, I don't know, maybe I'm not the person to lead the sensible haircuts into the future because maybe you I'm have just to look like inward. Bachelor instinct. Is there yeah, a chance that you'll? Is there a chance that you'll contact the Jim City Stallions for co-ownership? Oh no, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> this is a crack. Yeah, I know, but I mean, like, if my team is a team of Ferraris, which I think in a couple of positions they are, you don't park them in a stable. You park them in a really nice, well-lit, highly secured garage. And unfortunately, you know, they're going to get hay in the wheels. Like it's just, Jim's is just a, it's a, it's a chop shop sort of, you know, half-baked outfit. And no, it will never happen. It will never happen. It's like, you know, St Kilda and North are never going to merge and neither are the stallions and the haircuts. 
Although we could do some nice things with those mains, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that is a uh, that is some very good insight. I reckon. Let's. You talked about the strength of your team, and I think labelled them Ferraris, which is probably a fair call in terms of your wide receiver room. It is. It is chock packed with Stacked. talent. Obviously, we, we can go through your sort of drafts who you picked up. You got. We've done this before, but you've got Drake London, Chris Olave, Wilson you traded, Christian Watson, Sky Moore, um, and then already pairing with uh, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, Deontay Johnson, the list goes on. So you've got, you know, potentially eight or nine top-end wide receivers there. Now, going Don't back forget to Christian Kirk, one of the richest men walking the planet. One of the luckiest men walking the planet. <laughs> um, yes, no, I did forget him. Apologies. But we spoke... Or you spoke previously about um, the risk of actually using draft picks, and maybe maybe the mentality around that has changed. But for me, um, the the decision to take the draft uh, the draft picks to the draft and select your wide receivers, there is a there is a time limit in terms of how you can get value on those players, mm-hmm. because by the time the season starts, those players could decrease in value or increase in value. So. Are you are you mindful of that, and is it something that you're looking to do in the preseason, um, or are you happy just to maybe lose a few and hopefully win out in the long term? Keeney, Keeney's asking for a friend. <laughs> no, I, I think I think, every, I think yeah, it's a fair question because everything's on it. Yeah. Manny's whole point of draft picks a year ago was that we don't they're unknown quantities. We don't know what they are. So whilst we still don't know what they are because they haven't played yet, is this the best time to get rid of them? Or do you wait and pretend you could you could miss all of them and then you're left with yeah, nothing? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And you've got no, no it's, Ferraris it's, it, left. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's a very valid question. I think the oh, look. There's there's a few things here. The first thing is, you know, I'm being honest tonight, so I'll, I'll give you. I, I said this before. I probably would have preferred to trade out the picks, but I wasn't going to take less than value, so I I use the picks. Like it, you know, it's. Best case scenario for me, I would have gone in with a lot less picks and I would have probably got the things that I wanted. And, you know, as I said before, my timeline comes forward a couple of years. Didn't get what I felt like I wanted. And so I was like, right, second option is take the picks. I'm not just going to give them up because, that you know, don't do not do it. And, and, and the fact that, you know, I've talked about the fact that I don't really like picks that much, that's all well and good. Doesn't mean I'm going to value picks any less. The value is set by the market, not by me. So, you know, I've had a few people come in with some absurd offers for, picks pre-draft and picks after the draft guys that I've drafted. And I'm thinking like, you know, I'm not, I'm not selling my soybean shares for half the price. Cause I don't like eating soybean. Like it's just a name, it, name know, some a very people. silly proposition. Oh, um, I'd have to go. I, like, I think, I mean, Tim always, Tim always undercuts a bit, but I don't think that's specific to this situation, but even just, Guys looking to flip older guys for younger guys, that sort of thing. I think like it's it's a misunderstanding of where I am in my. I've just drafted all these guys. I'm not unless you're giving me the quarterbacks. I need to properly reboot my list. I'm not going to take middlings people because it's just actually hurting me. Um, so so I think that's the first thing. The second thing is you're 100 right. These guys form a value. Like so, they've got a value now. That value gets formed. I think you get a little bit of a grace period. It's hard for them to completely tank their value in the first 12 months, particularly if they're a highly touted pick. But some will form. But I, th- I think that's probably countered by the fact that even if that nets out to a negative, I can't play them all anyway because of the position they're at and the guys I've already got. 
So if it's sort of like, you know, yes, they're assets, but if I find three of five that are startable, one of which is a superstar, like my wide receivers look absurdly good at that point, given the guys already got. So it's, it's kind of a safer bet for me to let the picks mature at this position rather than something where I need them to work, if that answers your question. Um, but, and then the, 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 the broader answer is everything's on table. I'll, I'll, you know, if the right thing comes along that helps what I'm trying to do, I'll trade four of them right now. You know, like they don't, they're not there because I specifically fall in love with these guys. I picked, I think we might've said this in the Drunken Ramblings podcast, but I picked guys that weren't just, you know, better wide receivers on the table, but made sense to me as well. So someone like Alave, when I've got Michael Thomas, there's a bit of a security thing there. So I know I'm getting one. Sky Moore, I just lost. Like Tyreek Hill, I've obviously still got, but he's just walked out. So I've kind of, you know, I've bounced that back up. I don't know. There's, there, there's, there was a little bit more than just who's the best available guy going into it. It was like a rationale of, I know I need to start probably six of these guys. So which are the six or, you know, six given there's bye weeks, uh, which are the six that, you know, how can I get a, a cluster of them where I've got a safe six? Mm. Interesting. I think it's quite, there's, there's, there's a hint of irony too, because I, I think back to just 12 months prior that you, you traded out Jamar Chase to get some proven assets. Well, and now the value of Jamar Chase is probably triple what you gave away. Well, I trade him for Mark Andrew though. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think the value of Andrews versus Jamar Chase is? Yeah, I know, but I, I, I don't feel like. Uh, I think I said Andrew's got to be the second most valuable tight end, and if you're in the window now, he's probably number one. Um, so you know, like at at a, at a positional level, in tight end premium, uh, definitely, I don't think I would be able to do a straight swap for those two. But you know, and, and the difference was though, the ceiling on. Both of them maybe is you know is is where they've ended up. The floor on Andrews was a lot higher than the floor on Chase, so you know I, I don't look back on that in hindsight and go that was a terrible trade. The irony was I was not taking Jamar Chase with that pick. If Ooh, I took him, I was talking, okay. taking your guy. You're taking oh, actually, uh, your guy who've traded. Yeah, I was taking Pitts for sure. So I was like, the question to me was, do I take a rookie tight end with probably more upside, or I take Andrews who I know exactly what I'm getting and. You know, he's got Lamar Jackson thrown to him. That was literally my thought process at the time. Because I was about, oh, that's interesting you say that. I was going to ask you a bit of a sliding doors moment. If you took uh, Jamar, would that have affected your trading of Burrow? And then your team could be entirely different looking. Everyone loves a stack, but I think I would have, it would have made me have stronger conviction if I'd taken Jamar Chase. Which I just definitely wouldn't have, but I think I'd have stronger conviction to rebuild because I'd just be nowhere at tight end as well. So I'd have three positions that, like, I would have had a strong quarterback room, strong wide receiver room, no tight ends because Hunter Henry is fine to plug in as a backup on bye weeks, but you don't want him as your main guy. No tight ends and no running backs. I, I, I just would have been no, I've got to rebuild. So and and Burrow was the best thing I had, like as in. The best asset. If I go, I want to bring in three plus first round picks. Burrow is the only way I'm getting it. Um, so you know, may, maybe Jefferson for the right, you know, the right picks or whatever. But yeah, so so ironically, I would have quickly walked away from the stack because I just would have been like, this, you know, these two look nice, but how am I supposed to build the rest of my roster? 
it's a it's an interesting question that you raise and i don't think we've ever talked about it on this podcast you mentioned the fact that everyone loves the stack in this league what, what are your thoughts on that is it is it actually beneficial to have a stack or is it yeah people just yeah. excited that when someone scores they score twice but it, in the long run it yeah that's no, it's a, it, it doesn't i don't think it helps you because i think all you're doing is you're making you're adding variability to your scoring you're just is basically like I don't. Th- well, I, I, if you've got a bad team, it's good. If you've got a good team, it's not good. Like it's just like why 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 add variance? If if you've got the best team, you don't want variance because you want to make sure. Like all variance is going to do is make you lose. If you've got the worst team, variance is the best thing you can do. Try and just hope you strike you know strike gold and you get paid off three times. So I I feel like there's just an emotional thing in it. The people love a stack because of the feeling they get when they're watching it, and. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because, like I said before, the fun in fantasy is you enjoy it when you're watching it. I reckon you once said, Keeney, that like getting up and watching Red Zone is the most tilting experience on on planet Earth because you're just like you're crushed one minute, then you're ecstatic the next. A stack just like multiplies that. It's like pressing the you know the highest value button on the pokies. It's just like the same feeling, but it's just maximized. So I'm I'm not a big long story short. I'm not a big fan of the stack. I don't. I wouldn't go out of my way to try and get one because I just feel like it's not valuable from a fantasy perspective, but I get that it's valuable from an emotional perspective. Uh, my, my view is that I, I see the appeal in, and I, I take on board the variance. If you've got a good side, you don't want variance, but I just look at sort of those, the final three or four weeks in the playoffs. Do you want, do you want variance and do you want upside? And do you want, because at the end of the day, I think the playoffs or the last three or four weeks of the season is such it's such a random event, and you got to get lucky. You have to get yeah, lucky. Yeah, but that's that, but that's why I'd argue that you don't want upside. You want like no year has the best couple of teams going to the playoffs won it. The six seeds got through both times. Like it just shows you if you're the six seed, you're the worst team. You hundred percent want upside. But if you're the best team, like you don't want to swing for the fence and on week one score 120 and lose. Like you just want your solid 170 and just like have faith in the process that got you there. I know that that would be my view. I just, Hmm. yeah, it's, it's a really like, and and I get like, there's a lot of other factors that go into it as well. Like, so a stack with a favorable matchup in a playoff game, obviously is something you'd be pretty excited to have. So it's not just black and white of stack good or bad. It's, it's, there's a bit more, you know, nuance to it, but yeah, I don't know. It's, I think definitely the league loves it though. Like you, you know you've got a trade target, you've got a good wide receiver, you look for the guy with that quarterback, and you know you've got someone really excited just by mentioning the name. So yeah. All right, for You're sure. You're a stack man, aren't you, Keeney? Oh uh, no, I'm with you a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. more I, I lean more towards not having one. I don't have any. Uh, yeah. I would prefer to diversify my points because if you have a bad week if that team in real life has a bad week, then your fantasy team usually struggles. Um, kind of touched on your tight ends there. So <clears throat> I don't know if we need to go into too much depth on that. Obviously, Mark Andrews is as solid as they come. Uh, Hunter Henry had a very good season last year, um, was on some ridiculous pace for touchdowns with Mac Jones. Um, yeah. he's, he's so touchdown dependent, though, to be fair. He, yeah. he doesn't score any points anywhere else. Absolutely. I mean, he was not to talk down my players, but but he, he is like he <laughs> good. Just, good luck putting him in a trade now. Um, yeah, I know. So, well, if you like touchdowns, have I got the guy for you? 
let's uh, let's move on to your your draft picks here, and you've you've stacked yourself up nicely with a, a first, second, and fourth if in the twenty twenty three draft, and the twenty three draft is being touted as one of the better ones for running backs. Uh, interestingly enough, so don't know where you're going to fit on this on this spectrum here of whether you, I mean, following your Kenneth Walker-style picks. Um, are you planning to bolster some dra- more draft picks? Because you've got two firsts in 24 and a fourth, and then a first and a fourth. Oh, no, all, you got all your picks in 25. You haven't traded any of those. So uh, are you looking to get in some more of those assets for 23? Because I think you were saying you're sort of looking at that 24 season. Yeah, well, so I think 24, I've got my fourth, so I can probably flip that to Jim for a couple of quarterbacks or something. So <laughs> that'll help. And then, um, no, I, I look, the next two years, I've got three first-round picks. Um, I would expect my pick this year, including my own picks, I expect my high picks will be going to quarterbacks, regardless of kind of what's around. Um, and... If I can get in another pick or two, they'll probably be going to quarterbacks as well. I wouldn't. You, you, do not be surprised if my roster in about two years looks like nine young quarterbacks, where he's basically sitting there going, "I'm just going to pick the best two in, in a year's time," and and you know, I'm just going to have a giant stable of quarterbacks because that's that's quite clearly what I'm trying to build towards. Like I'm, I'm keeping roster spots. I'll, I'll structure my wide receivers. I won't bother filling in with running backs. My tight ends, I think, are fine for a few years, and I'm just going to kind of keep throwing the dart at the dartboard on quarterback. Yeah, it'll be good to see you competing in 2030. Um, so I look forward <laughs> this to this. Is maybe may, maybe trying then. This is maybe, the best maybe thing trying. about Dynasty because you mentioned it before. Of will you ever tilt and compete? But the the best thing is it doesn't matter where you're at. You're always happy in Dynasty because you're either winning and you're a chance for a title, or you're building assets and you're building draft picks and you're happy with that. And this is why I think it's fantastic. I'm, I'm a big believer in like having a happiness stack as well. So, you know, we talk about, you know, player stacks, but happiness stacks. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to just time my run. So my fantasy team is really good just as North Melbourne are going to win a flag. Mm. So I can maximize my enjoyment out of And the Vikings as well. Try and triple it. Yeah, well, and this is the thing. I've got to really slow down my fantasy team because North are 40 years from one. So yeah. 40 is probably being of... generous, I would have thought. <laughs> is this... No, no. This league better go for a while. <laughs> is this... Are we getting an insight into sort of Camo's strategy as well? He's gone chips in for this year. He has. There, there might be something towards that. I like the way you're thinking. People um, get addicted to, to pleasure. It's like, you know, the, the, the formula to life is happiness equals reality yeah. minus expectation. As soon as you get a bit of pleasure, you, you just the run of the mill day to day doesn't cut it for you anymore. And that's Camo. He's he's on a spot. Yeah. Just do not be surprised if he overdoses on some sort of substance soon because he just he's chasing that high every day of the week. And I think that's right because you, you, you think back to 12 months ago and he was watching Justin Herbert YouTube videos with tissues by his bedside. And then yep. lo and behold, he trades Patrick Mahomes for him. So he's just yep. chasing. He's mm. just chasing he's that like, what, Herbert what could make my, stack. Yeah. What could make Herb time more exciting? I know if he was on my fantasy roster. Yeah. And I could and click in on just, Sleeper and just look at him every day. Yep. 
Same reason he moved so from the family so he could live across from Bailey Fritch's house. They can just watch him through the window. Like just make your life more exciting and, and you know, good, good luck to him. Like he's he's a chips in kind of guy, not just in fantasy and in all things. And so I, I'm 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 really pleased for him. He's, he's having a great time at the moment. He Unfortunately, is, not, not so good a time he could come to the draft, but nah. you know, everything else is going is coming up combo. Yeah, that's right. And look. There was rumours going around. I don't know if you heard them that, that the um, the pandemic was the reason for the tissue shortage in shops, but it was actually Camo. Um, and Camo's happiness. So um, it's an app. I think we've finally nailed. He's aptly named Camo. <laughs> uh, no, he is. Hey, um, talking about the next couple of years and all your picks, and don't be surprised if they're all QBs. What about this year? Because I heard that coming out of your mouth at one point this year, saying. You know, I've got five first-round picks. I'll just take all the QBs this year and we'll see what happens. So you ended up with Malik Willis at the 112. So talk us through, was there – because there was a chance that you sort of let the 111 go there to Scooter and if Malik Willis got taken, were you just going to take the next best QB or did you always want to end up with one or two or what was the plan going in for QB this year? Yeah, I – well, I I wanted to come out with one or two, but I wasn't going to – I wasn't going to, well, I mean, obviously the um, swindle move of the century by the DFF stopped me from getting Kenny Pickett. So I wasn't going to get him. Um, <laughs> the, the, no, I was fine because, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Desmond Ritter. The Atlanta quarterback. Yeah, Ritter. So I, I, I got to the 110 and I was like, okay, I can't miss both of them here. I prefer Willis, but I'll take Ritter at 12 if I don't get him. I'll get one. There wasn't a lot this year. I mean, the thing is, I, I can say I'll take quarterback, but they've got to be half-decent prospects. And then I was pretty happy to get um, Zap, the uh, the new Tom Brady out at New England as well. Bailey, late in the draft. So Bailey Zap. He's a dartboard throw as well. You never know. Like, there's no, there's no guarantee that he can't, at some point in the next couple of years, you know, get an opportunity at New England. And so, you know, just sit in there and see what happens. Well, I know you um, you spoke about stats and how we like to focus on that. And obviously, traditionally, not being drafted in the first round doesn't fare well for a QB, but it has happened. And one bloke was, um, was Russell Wilson, who you flipped for numerous first round picks many years into his career. So uh, I like the idea of just going a dart, dart throw for that position. And if it pays off, it's going to pay dividends. Yeah, well, and, and, and I guess the other thing is um, if you're in my shoes at this point, taking a dart throw at another position and it paying off has far less value to me because if a running back pays off, I don't need it. If he's got a three-year horizon and the first year or two, I'm not really trying to win. And a wide receiver pays off, great, but where can I even play him? So realistically, like, that's why I didn't bother picking up a wide receiver or running back after my first round swathe of picks because – you know, like I took Dulcich because basically Hod told me he was good and I didn't know anything about him. And I was like, well, he's the right position and, you know, he could add some value to my team. And obviously quarterbacks are guys that can add some value to my team. So it's a, it's, you know, I don't want to say it's a numbers game, but it's kind of just a playing the situation thing for me late in the draft there as opposed to, you know, best available or whatever because positional is more important there. Very good, mate. Very good. Um, and look, Ben, I'd, I'm not sure how long we've been going here. Maybe 45, 50 minutes, I think, on this podcast. All right, we could go another 45, but I'm just a bit worried that could. you're still sitting in Sky Moor over there uh, with well, your yeah, doors locked. I've still got to get my dinner, too. I hope Mac is from the freeway isn't closed. Better not close at all. <laughs> nah, I'm would. pretty sure. I'm going to lose a list. That'll be 24, those ones. 
Yeah, less than 24 hours. We're down in the peninsula and there are a weird bunch down there. That's true. But the the point of that little setup for the conversation was that we've gone 45, 50 minutes and I I must apologise to everyone that we haven't got to this topic. So it's about time that we did. And that is... On rookie draft night, Steph paced up and down the hallways waiting for your good self to arrive <laughs> and then well, said, come sorry, my sorry. way into the room. Now, can you take us through blow by blow what, how that conversation went with the DFF and what his negotiation style was for, to try and get you to jump from three to two after he moved from four to two? Well... I don't normally kiss and tell, and, and obviously, as we know, loose limbs do sink ships, usually. However, I will, just because this has been of such a a highly you know, speculated thing, I feel like I owe it to the 2,000 listeners you've got out there in the world to tell them what really happened. So um, to, to tell it from my point of view, I, I rocked up from footy, was a bit flat. We had our only loss of the year that day. I wander in and then straight away step into the room, unfamiliar surroundings to me because I've never been to Scoots before. And the DFF's just given me every sort of eye contact I've you could, you could possibly imagine. There was eyebrow raises, there were winks, there were blinks, there was eyes rolling around, you know, counterclockwise on both sides <laughs> of his head. Um, and I sort of <laughs> I just I was having a seizure or something. So I just kind of ignored him and went and sat down. And then he goes, you want to have a chat and so i was like all right and then you know i was introduced to the concept of the the negotiation room and down we sat and it's fair to say he ran absolute rings around me he had me bamboozled i had no idea i'd be doubting myself he sort of crushed my spirit built me back up again had me had me very very nervous upset i was basically i was a broken man willing to accept anything and then he said do you want to trade up for pick two and I said no and he sort of you know the moment that I you know I was like well you could basically do anything to me but clearly I'm not going to do that um and you know in the Simpsons when Ralph Wiggum's heart breaks and they slow down in slow motion that was kind of the facial expression he got from him but he, he apart from that he played it pretty cool and was like okay walked back out and took his pick and that was it fantastic left some emotional scarring it's left it's left to play with very small hands on a roster, but it's it's we've all moved on. I oh, I missed my opportunity. The goal there. is small hands. There we go. Um, uh, yeah. Well, let's. Um, we better wrap this up because I'm mindful that you got to you got to be on your way uh, and you got to eat and get out of old Skymore territory. Uh, let's go with the final <laughs> one here of uh, some predictions for 2022. Who, which team do you think will uh, take the cake and which team do you think will be one to just keep your eyes on? Um, I think Keeney will win. I don't know why. I just reckon he's got enough to keep turning his team over and he's got he's, – he can't. I, he, he's probably the, the team that's hardest to, to go, I'm going to back out of this and, and swing to a future year. So I feel like Keeney would be my tip to win it. Um, Maddie Max in a very, very, very good position. So you know, I, I can't really call him a, a smoky to rise because obviously he won it last year. Um, but obviously where he sits with his draft picks, he's just got so many assets to to swing either way. Um, but if I was going to give a smoky, I'm going to go with 
I'm going to go with Jake. I just feel like he's got that sort of team in a division where two, like, two of us are probably not, unless I kind of change tact, something changes for me, two of us are basically going to roll over and he's going to get enough division wins without, you know, it's like Geelong. They get a lot of home games and they just sort of get enough wins every year to be there. And then he's just... He's just got a nice platform. And I think the other thing is I just have absolutely no respect for uh, – is it the Sunny Weaver division? Is that Hod, the, Hod and yep. Jim? And- yeah, it's just it's just a useless division. There's just nothing in it. It's it's an absolute indictment on the league. So nothing good will come out of that. And then, you know, so Ben, it's you and, you and Jake. And then the other division's hard. So it's really hard to pick a smoke out of there. So, yeah, I don't know, just – it's like Jakey boy. I reckon he could go two from three, which would be a very, very impressive start to it would be his career. Especially when it looked like he was sort of blowing his team up to some extent. But then, like you pointed out a few weeks ago, Kenny, you look at his list and go, no, there's definitely pieces there that can compete. I like uh, you, you threw down some uh, shots there for the Sunny Weaver division. So... Are you going to put it out there that Jake will have a better record than the number one team in that Sunny Weaver division? Is that a bet that I'm hearing? Oh, or just a bold, like a, a bold claim? Like a bet? Yeah, it's a good. I mean, lo- logic would tell you that they all have to be sort of a similar level of bad for that to get up because they get to play each other. So it only takes one up decent team, like it's come and showed last year. The fact that, by the way, sorry, I'm harping on Jim here. The fact that Camo and Jim were fighting for the final spot is a real negative for Camo. <laughs> we've just we've just talked about Jim's team, and he almost got in the finals ahead of Camo, and yet we're talking about Camo as a serious contender. Sorry, Camo, but yeah, I just I just I just, I just got that league that division's just got nothing, absolutely nothing. Um, the, the, the only thing they've gone from is they get to play each other. So, yeah, all right, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it down there. I'll take that. I'll take a piece of that action if someone wants to. I like it. Wants a mm. bottle of red eye. Maybe we'll, um, yeah, let's let's get that bet betting app that uh, we can keep track of this stuff because I think that's a fantastic one. It's a juicy one. I think you've also um, changed the use of Camo's tissues just with that uh, final <laughs> statement there. I think he's, he's turned no, them from I happy felt, tissues I, I, I to sad tissues. I said offline, but I felt like I needed to start giving a few cheap shots to people because it, it just felt boring the first bit. We're just talking about my team. don't think that's what people tune in for. No, they probably they wanted to hear more insight to uh, some of the, the wisdom that your mother has imparted upon you in, in your fantasy <laughs> team. So maybe you can, uh, maybe as we sign off here... So you can get ready and uh, be on your way to get your Maccas and head off to Rye. It's been good having you on. It's been good insight as always. You're a you're a straight shooter. You you tell it how it is and you give as much insight as possible. But uh, any final words of wisdom from yourself and from your great mother? Uh, the the last thing Mum said to me uh, when we spoke this morning when she she picked up the kids and looked after them and. And her exact words were, just remember, whatever you do today, do not trade Sky Moore. So <laughs> I didn't, and I've hopefully lived up to mum's lofty expectations. So I feel like today's been a good day. And I say this as I pull out of the uh, pull out of the service lane back onto the freeway. Fantastic. <laughs>
fantastic. Well, on that uh, on that nugget there, Keeney, do you have any final thoughts? No, nah, nothing, uh, nothing too major other than to thank uh, Manny for coming on. It was always great to get your uh, insight into how Dynasty works from your point of view. I think you think about it in a very interesting way. I will say one thing. The Ideas Man segment, which got rave reviews last week, despite popular or despite belief from... Hod, Hod wasn't too happy with it. So what we've decided to do was park it until Hod's available for a pod. So we'll have one next time he's ready. But it is disappointing because I would have loved to get Manny's thoughts on whatever Maya came up with this week because I think the two, I think Manny would come up with something really interesting from uh, anything that Maya would come up with. But um, we can look forward to that next week. Absolutely. I'm shattered. I, I spent 10 or 12 hours preparing for that, just any sort of possible idea. So, yeah, so disappointed. I was a big fan of the segment. Well, there you go. Ideas, man, if you're listening, uh, you've already got some people disappointed that uh, they were hanging on this podcast to hear your next wonderful idea and thought. So we will hang on to that until Hod's on because he seems to be a big fan of the new segment. And many people are a big fan of you, Manny, so thanks again for jumping on and enjoy your your trip uh, as you head off in the darkness there out of Skymore territory. Well, I'm generally lost. I know where I am. <laughs> yes, thanks, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, mate. Uh, podcast not here, but the podcast over and out.